Hey, good morning, everybody. It is my favorite Sunday of the entire year, and if you've been here with us at East Brainerd for any amount of time, you probably uh, know this. My first Sunday at East Brainerd 13 years ago was Vacation Bible School Sunday, and I pulled up into the parking lot. I didn't know it was going to be Vacation Bible School Sunday, and I thought, man, what a welcome for the new preacher, because there on the steps was the entire cast of The Wizard of Oz. And the Tin Man was there to greet me, and there was Dorothy, and man, it was great. There was a yellow carpet right here down the middle. And it was like, man, this, this is just awesome. They rolled out the yellow carpet for the new preacher. This is really cool. This is going to be great. Um, actually, I pulled up and I told my wife, I'm like, man, they're not going to have a problem with me here. This is going to be really good. This is a wild church, man. Uh, this is pretty wild. Maybe that's what you thought. Uh, this morning as you were pulling in. Uh, you did not expect to uh, be greeted by Darth Vader. That's not someone you normally see at church. But hey, we reach out to all people here. All right, we believe the gospel is for all, even for, even for Darth Vader. And so, man, it is great whenever Vacation Bible School rolls around. As has already been mentioned, but I'm going to say it again, if you have not signed up your children, or as Sean said, your neighbor's kids, or just someone you met at Target, you um, go and sign them up, and tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, it's going to be a great time. Uh, it's going to be all over our campus, and so uh, we'll start here in this room. You can bring the kids, uh, register, get them signed up and everything in the lobby, uh, but we want you to go online and go ahead and let us know you're coming uh, because we've got things to, um, final preparations to make, and so if we don't realize that you're coming, and all of a sudden you come up and, you know, you unload, it's like a clown car, and all these, you know, kids get out. Uh, we want to make sure that we've got, you know, snacks. You, you never want to be out of snacks at Bible school. We've got t-shirts. We've got glow sticks. We've got all kinds of fun things. And we want to make sure we've got enough for everybody. So be sure and uh, go ahead and sign up all the kiddos. And then if you're still sitting out there and you were like that, those five people who have not, who have not said you would love to volunteer to help with Vacation Bible School. And that's about all there is that are out here. There's only about five of you, and I hope you feel guilty right now. About five of you that um, have not said, hey, I'm going to help with Vacation Bible School, you can still sign up to volunteer and to be a part, and we will find a space. We'll find a space for you. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be great. And so uh, keep making your plans uh, for that. Uh, there's going to be a special welcome uh, and an invitation given at the end of our time together by our characters. So moms and dads, uh, be ready for that. Um, afterwards, we're going to have our children's offering that will take place today as we continue to support Muggleson there in Haiti. And then our kids will go off uh, for a kids' praise and, and we worship. So an exciting time, exciting time for them. Now we're going to finish up something uh, today that we began back at the very first of the month. We're in this teaching series called Embrace Your Space. And for the last month, we've talked about how that we are kind of stepping through a doorway how we're stepping through a doorway from one paradigm into another. We have one foot that is in the world that was, the world that is, is known, the world that is understood. And we have another foot in the world that is. And that world brings all kinds of anxiety because that new paradigm that's dawning, value systems are changing and economic models are being disrupted and geopolitical dynamics. All of these things are being redefined and so we're trying to figure out how to operate in what some call a gray zone. It's that space in between. It's that place where 
Linus goes when he doesn't have his blanket, when it's been thrown into the washer and the dryer. Mark Sayers, in his book, A Non-Anxious Presence, he writes that the gray zone moment that we are in is one in which the very structure of society is shifting. Understand what he's saying. The ground below us is beginning to, is beginning to give way. And everything that we hold dear, our relationships, our religious traditions, our very identity, all of these things are being, and maybe you've heard this word before, deconstructed. Well, as Christians, we've been called by God to navigate the disruption and instability that we see present within our society, and we're to navigate that with the the faith, the hope, and the love that comes from being disciples of Jesus Christ. And then we are to go into this space, stepping into it boldly, and impacting the world with humility and with patience and tolerance. But we have to be honest. All that is easier said than done. Because after all, it's not just the systems around us that are changing, but it's also our lives that are changing. We are dealing with changes that are impacting us on a daily basis. Changes to our our mental and our physical health. Changes to our finances. Changes that are going on within our family structure. And we don't want to embrace the space that we find ourselves in. In fact, we, we want to leave it. And we want to go to a galaxy far, far away. Actually, one that is more known, more understood. You see, we seek, we seek stability and coherence. Whenever we are in situations that bring us great anxiety, we want to find some kind of way to restore equilibrium. And so we fight, or we, we flee, or we freeze. We do whatever it takes to return to normal. Not the new normal, right? Nobody likes the new normal. We want the normal normal. The, 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 the normal one. The, the one that, that we are comfortable with. The, the one that, that, that is known. The, the one that where everything is the way it should be. And with the voices of those Hebrews who, who long ago faced uncertainty when stepping into Canaan, we say like they did, wouldn't it be better if we just went back to Egypt? Wouldn't it be just better if we, if we went back? You know that's what happened to those Hebrew children. They, they, they leave Egypt and they go into this wilderness journey, but they arrive in this promised land. This is the area. This is the space. This is where God is leading them. And they get ready to step into that space. And they're like, I like the old space. Yeah, the old space was comfortable. But you were slaves there. Yeah, but it was comfy. I knew what was expected of me. I knew what to do. I knew how to to navigate that space. And so they said, let's just choose a new leader who will take us back to Egypt. We don't like this space. We don't want it. So they said, let's go back. And guys, let's go back is the anthem of the anxious heart. It's the anthem of the anxious heart. And it's an anthem that plays loudly in that space in between, in that gray zone. And so with this teaching series, I've been trying to encourage all of us to choose a different path, to choose a different response, so to speak, a more spirit-led response. And I want us to choose to embrace our space. 
I do. I want us to be able to look and see where we are right now as a society, right now as a family unit, right now as individual, right now as a church, and see the changes that are taking place. And instead of running away, and instead of trying to hide, step boldly into that space where God already has said, I am there, and embrace it. Because every transition and every change and every U-turn and every, every time you come to a crossroad and every in-between space is the opportunity for God to impact that space through you. That's what God wants to do. And so to this end, I've asked that, that we all begin to pray where we are, just right here in this space and saying, God, bless this space, bless this time, bless this moment. And I've asked that we begin to love whoever we can. That, that means that individual, whoever it is, that, that is within our space. And last week I said, why don't we give whatever we have? And instead of making excuses and instead of talking about, well, I would do this if I had that, let's just give whatever we have and, and let's be a blessing. And if you've been traveling recently, I hope you'll go to our website, eastbrainerchurch.org, and, and pull up this lesson series or go to our podcast and, and listen there. I think you'll be blessed by it. But today, on what is my favorite Sunday, I, I want I want us to use the theme verse for, for this year's Vacation Bible School to wrap things up, all right? So open up your Bibles, pull out your phone, hit your app, whatever it is that you'd like to do. And we're going to uh, look at just a couple of verses in Ephesians chapter 5. All right, Ephesians chapter 5. And this is something that our children are going to be hearing, they're going to be singing, they're going to be focused on for the next few nights. I thought it might be good for the moms and dads and all the me moms and papas to focus on it also. Ephesians chapter 5. Why don't you read it along with me? You can see it there on the screen or read it there in your own text. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. One more time, let's read it again all together out loud if you would please. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. That's a question that people have been trying to answer for years, you know, centuries even. What is it that pleases the Lord? And when I saw that this was going to be the focus verse for our Vacation Bible School, I was like, you know, that is the passage of Scripture where I've had a specific lesson that I've preached in different ways through the years for the last 25 years. It's one of my favorite passages. It's one of the, the favorite questions that we try to answer as we try to decide, well, what is it that actually pleases the Lord? And some people have said that well, in order to please the Lord, I'm going to get married, and I'm going to have a family, and I'm going to raise them up, that family, and the nurture, and the admonition of the Lord, and I'm going to do all that I can to put my family on the right path so that they will be kingdom ambassadors, and that they're going to impact the world for Christ. That's what pleases the Lord. Other individuals, though, have said, you know what, I'm not going to get married, I'm not going to have a family, I'm going to remain single because that way I'm going to be able to focus solely on kingdom responsibilities and I'm going to give myself wholly over to God and God, wherever you want me to go, I'll go, whatever you want me to do, I'll do because that is what pleases the Lord. I know people who have said, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get the, uh, the best job that I can, have the best career possible. I want to be able to accumulate money, not, not for myself, mind you, but I want to be able to accumulate money so that I can be able to give it away and so that I can bless others. 
I want to be able to, to make the most money possible so that I can bless as many as possible. But there are others who say, you know what? I am not going to get caught up in all this materialism. Instead, I'm going to live a pauper's existence. I'm going to go, actually, and I'm going to remove myself from society. And I'm going to go and focus on Scripture. And I'm going to focus on prayer. And I'm going to focus on being one with God because that's what pleases the Lord. In the history of mankind, we have had those who have said, you know what pleases the Lord? Killing all the infidels, that's what pleases the Lord. And sadly, you can look through the history of Christianity and you can see where individuals, you'd say were not very Christian, but they thought that's what pleased the Lord to, to go and convert the world by sword if need be. And then there have been others who throughout history have said, no, it's peace. Peace. I'm not going to take up arms. I'm not going to try to coerce anyone. I'm not going to go and take a life in any way, in any form. Why? Because that's what pleases the Lord. You, you understand now how that this idea, find out what pleases the Lord. Yay, you once were darkness, but now you're children of light. Now go, find out what pleases the Lord. You understand why this can be difficult? It's not as easy as perhaps it sounds. And so we step into this new space. We step into the world that is. We're leaving the world that was. And there are things that are changing. There are things that are different. And it's not just fads. It's all about the way that the world is being viewed. And we step into that and we expect God to do some very normal things. But he doesn't. And that's what brings us anxiety as we're standing in this gray zone. You see, when we're in this gray zone, this in-between space, God is not going to necessarily provide proof. He's not going to provide proof. We're told in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7 that by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen. Think about that. Warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Now, I want you to imagine just a minute being in Noah's family. You're in Noah's family, and all of a sudden, dad starts building this boat. All of a sudden, your husband says, you know what, I'm quitting the job. I'm just going to go out, and I'm going to go out into my shop, and I'm just going to start building, and we're just going to see where this thing goes. And I have a feeling it's going to go really big. It's going to be great. I mean, eventually, if you're in Noah's family, you can't go anywhere without somebody making fun of Noah. And they hear that you're one of those ark boys, and they're just shaking their head. And, and Mrs. Noah just has to walk through town like, I know, I know. It's a phase, all right? It's a phase. Some people get new camels. My husband decided to build an ark. How do you hide a structure like that? You ever thought about it? I mean, what do you do when it gets to a certain size, and people start coming up, and they begin to ask you, what is it that you're doing there, Noah? Well, I'm building a boat. A boat? Why are you going to build a boat? Well, there's going to be a lot of water. Noah, do you know how far we are from the ocean? Doesn't really matter, because God's going to bring the water. How's he going to bring the water? I don't know, but he's going to do it. Who told you to build this boat, Noah? God did. He did. Yeah. And he told you this because it's, he's going to bring water? Yeah. Well, did he give you any proof? No, he didn't. And before you knew it, word had spread about Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their nutty old dad who was out there building this ark. God, will you prove to me that if I take these classes and earn this degree that, that I will be successful? Nope. God, will you give me proof that there is a heaven? 
God, will you give me proof that I've been forgiven? Will you prove to me that if I order my life by the teachings of Scripture, that I will be blessed? Friends, these questions and others are asked, and, and we looked and we're trying to find proof, and yet the silence of God is deafening. But Scripture tells us that by faith, Noah built. He built. And then, in what is a very funny moment in chapter 7 of the first book there in your Bible, the first letter in Genesis, it says in verse 10 that when they got into that big boat, it did not immediately begin to rain. Did you know that? How many of you thought that, that, that it started to rain, and then it was like, uh-oh, we better get everybody in, get that monkey, you know, let, let's go. It didn't rain. They got into the boat. The door was shut by the Lord God. And then they sat there, and nothing happened. Nothing. You think anybody was outside going, where's the rain? Do you think anybody was inside going, Dad, man, I mean, couldn't you just got a camel? Come on. Not only did it not rain the first day, it didn't rain the second, and they waited again to the third and the fourth. Guys, they waited for seven days with no proof. And I don't know what it sounded like, but I like to do this with different groups. Maybe we can pretend what it is. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your fingers just like this, okay? Hold them out. Take your fingers. And I want you to start just tapping these fingers together like this. Okay. Now I want you to tap two fingers. Three. Can you hear the rain? Four. Can you hear it? Look at this and that. Now I don't know what it sounded like. I don't know what it sounded like, but I can imagine that Ham, Sham, and Japheth were like, thank you, Lord. Oh, man, thank you, Lord. Yes, finally. Uh, when, when the grace of God began to rain down on that boat, because there had been no proof. Something else God will not do in our gray zone. He doesn't hand out maps. We can't get anywhere without a map app telling us to turn and left in 3.5 miles. You know that, right? Uh, we, we don't know roads names anymore. We don't know interstate numbers. We, we just know a little blue line on the screen in our car. And, and we will follow it anywhere. We might end up at a Jack's or a Sonic. I don't, you know, it's like, how did we get here? But we're going to follow that blue line wherever it leads. And so I guess it makes sense that we would then expect God to give us some type of map in order that we could choose a few options, you know? See how long it's going to take us to get from where we are right now as we're stepping into this world that is, into the full world that is going to come. If you'll just give us a few options, nothing crazy, right? Just a route to retirement that helps us to avoid the traffic and the stress on the main highways. Just directions to financial and family success that keep us from getting lost in the new city. We don't ask for much, just a little godly guidance around life's detours. We're in this world that is in between. We're in between the world that was and the world that is. So surely God will show us where we're going to be in five years, right? Or how about ten? Surely God will show us, well, where is all this going? Where is everything leading to in our society? Where is everything going to when it comes to our family? Because God, I just want to be able to prepare, right? 
I just want to be ready for that job offer. I just want to be, I just want to be better prepared for my mom's illness. I just want to be able to put back money for those extra expenses. So God, if you'll just let me know in advance. If you just let me know in advance, and I'll be ready for the temptation. I'll be ready to turn down that promotion, and I'm going to stay, and I'm not going to leave, and I'm going to ask for forgiveness because my anxious heart wants a map, God. But God has never been in the map business. So we're told in... Hebrews 11 and verse 8, that by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. I love that statement. But it's not just Abraham. You read the stories of Joseph and David, you, you read about Hannah, you read about Mary. Scripture is filled with the stories of, of men and women who obeyed and went, even though they did not know where it was that they were going. And it's the same within this church. You know, we can spend the rest of our time together this morning just having an open mic time and just allow different ones of you to share how that where you are now is not necessarily where you intended to be. Maybe you're single or you're married you're divorced or you're widowed. You could come and share how you've been hired and fired. You could talk about how that your family has abandoned you or maybe how you abandoned your family. You can talk about things that made you laugh. You can share things that will make everybody cry. You have prayed and you have cursed the dreams for, for who you would marry and for where you would live and for the career that you would have, the life that you would enjoy, all of these dreams, that you awakened from those long ago and realized, for some of you, they were not just dreams, they were actually nightmares. But here you are. Here you are this morning because you obeyed and you went even though you did not know where you were going. You're in that in-between space and there you are, but God's not going to give you a map. One more thing. God will also not answer your questions in this in-between space. I think the Old Testament story of Job is a good example of this. He's introduced to us in the very beginning of the text that bears his name, and he is living what would be called a blessed life, at least for his time. Listen to how he's described, Job chapter 1. It says he had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep. Seven, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, a large number of servants. Now, it's not the blessed life for us. That wouldn't be a blessed life for me. I, I don't want that, all right? But for Job, I mean, apparently that was the life. And he's living it. But then it's just one tragic circumstance, one right after the other. There's a tornado that comes, knocks his house down, kills all of his children. He loses his health. He has these painful sores all over his body. His wife isn't taken, but what's worse, she turns on him and she says, look, God has given up on you. You might as well give up on God. And so he just keeps losing and losing and losing. And the world that was is over. Over. And so for a good section of the book, Job just wants to know why. Why? Why is this happening? And he doesn't just ask it for himself. He's also asking it for you. He's asking it for all of us in those moments when we're in that in-between space and we want to know, why am I here? 
And why am I dealing with this? And why, why is all this happening? When you ask why your spouse left. Or why your spouse died. When you ask why your children have made poor choices or are unfaithful. When you say, God, just give me a reason. God, give me, give me a reason why it just seems like it's just one thing after another, after another, after another. And no answers come. In fact, as you, as you study this narrative, Job seems to ask a lot more questions than God ever gives him answers. In the midst of all this, here's the strangest thing that Job says to God. It's near the end of the story. It's chapter 42, verses 5 and 6. Job said, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes, and I take back everything that I said. He's saying, God, there's something that happened in the midst of this, something that's happened in the midst of this, of this pain and in the midst of this loss, in the midst of all these questions. He said, I have found you, and I know you now more than I ever have known you before. I went to Sunday school. I sat in church. I heard all the stories. But now, when I have lost it all, I see you. Maybe you know that. You know that feeling. where you have prayed more in the last six months than you have prayed any time you can remember in your life. Where, where, where you have had question after question and, and where even though perhaps the answers are not what you expected or maybe they haven't come, you are experiencing perhaps God in a new way and you are being sustained and you are being held up. You don't understand it. You, you have no real answer for it. But you realize that God is walking through this gray zone with you. And maybe like Job, you can say, my eyes have seen the Lord. Job experienced God at a level that few have known, but his questions were not answered. And you know, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, I'm just honest with you, it doesn't make sense. We're told to find out what pleases the Lord while we live in this in-between space. But God refuses to provide proof or hand out maps or even answer our questions. And no wonder we begin to murmur and then finally just shout, let's go back. Let's just go back to how things were. Let's go back to the life that I had. Let's go back to what, to what I was doing. Because fear takes over. And when fear takes over, we have to make a choice whether to jump in or whether to walk away. And that's the choice that I had to face when I was a kid. You see, whenever we went on family vacation, I would always ask to be able to stay at a motel that had a pool. Right? That's just what I, what I wanted. And believe it or not, guys, there was a time when, when a pool at a hotel was a luxury stay. Right? I mean, it, it, was a, it was a luxury stay. And so there I'd be sitting on the hump in the back seat of the car. You guys remember that hump that used to be there, you know, in the back seat? And there I would be sitting on it, and I would lean over into the front seat because nobody wore seatbelts. And I would scan every motel sign that we passed. You see, there was no Expedia app where we could go ahead and, 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 and be able to tap in a few things of information and, and have something reserved for us. The flashing vacancy signs would show that there was some potential, and, and it might have up there, free buffet, and it, my dad would be like, we're going to go there. So we're going to go. And I'd be like, no, because I'm looking for one that says, pool. And we would pass by the free buffet. And, and then they would go by and there would be another sign. And it would say, free cable. 
Okay? Now, now that's not, let me explain what that is, guys, okay? That, that's not like you walk in and they give you, like, a wire. Okay? That, that's not it. No, that was, that was cable TV. Because you didn't have that at home. And so you had to go somewhere to be able to get that. And you had free cable. But we didn't watch the movie channels, so we just kept on going. Because we were looking for pool. Price might have been in my parents' mind, but I had zero concern over that. I wanted the Holiday Inn with the pool. Now, you need to know that my insistence on passing up sensible overnight lodging was strange. My insistence on doing this, it really didn't make a lot of sense because I couldn't swim as a kid. Now, it's in the preacher's story. It's true. I couldn't swim. Not only could I not swim, um, I was afraid of the water. But I didn't want to be. I really, didn't, I really didn't want to be. I wanted to be able to dive in and aquaman it from one side, you know, to, to the other. And I wanted to be able to jump off the diving board and do all these cool little things, you know. And woo, cannonball and, you know, can opener and all this stuff. That's what I wanted. And so I was always looking for the pool. But what I actually did, I would go and stand at the edge of the pool with my floaties on. For what seemed like hours, trying to get up the nerve to jump in, all the while there was this voice in my head saying, go back. Just go back. Go back and watch the cable. And I probably would have. I probably would have more often than not if it had not been for my dad. You see, he wasn't afraid of the water, and he could swim, and he would stand there in the water, standing there in the pool, and he would say, jump in. Don't be afraid. I'll, I'll catch you. I had to make a choice between faith in my father in fear of the water. It's the same for you. You have to make the decision whether or not you're going to jump into this space and embrace it and on it, or if you're just going to walk away. See, you're in between space as a pool of unknown outcomes. Guys, nobody knows what the world that is will actually end up being. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in our homes. We don't know what's going to happen to, you know, in a few weeks in our schools. We, we don't know what's going to happen in our society. We don't know what's going to be going on in our world. We don't know what's going to happen in our churches. We just don't know. There's no proof that everything is just going to work out. There are no maps that are going to show us the best route to take, and there are very few answers to our many questions. Now, now we want to jump in because we want to be examples to others about, hey, this is what kingdom life is like, and we want our kids to see it, and we want other friends to see it. That's what we want. But instead, we're here on this space, and we're here thinking, do I jump in or do I step back into what I have known and what is comfortable and what I can handle? We want to, but that voice inside is saying, let's go back. Let's go back to how things used to be. Let's go back to when I was comfortable. Let's go back to when I was in control. Let's just go back. Let's go back to the addiction. And let's go back to the relationship. And let's go back to the attitudes. And let's go back to the lying. And let's go back to the apathy. 
Let's go back to the selfishness and let's go back to the self-direction. Back to all of the, the bad habits and all of those hang-ups. All those things that used to define me. Let's just go back. Back to the known. Back to the normal. Let's just go back. And guys, you can. You, you can walk away. And you can fight what's coming. Uh, you, can, you can just freeze up in the moment. You can bury your head in the sand and hope that everything just goes by you. Or you can just run as far away from whatever it is that you're dealing with or whatever your space is right now. You can do that. Or you can jump. That's what I did. I closed my eyes and... I got as much strength as I could, and I leapt off the side of that pool towards my dad. But he didn't catch me. <laughs> he didn't. No, um, you know, I believed it when he said, I will catch you, only he didn't. Now, it wasn't his fault, it was mine. He was like in the middle of the pool, and I just jumped like one foot over. I mean, that was all, that was all I could do. And I went under the water, and I was kicking and flailing. I, I know I was under about 30 minutes, I, I'm pretty sure. It, it was either 30 minutes or three seconds, depending on who you ask that was watching that morning. But what I do know for sure my dad pulled me up from under that water. And I wrap my arms around his neck. And there I held on tight as my faith in my father gradually overcame my fear of the water. Friends, God is in your space. Whatever your space is, whether this space that you're entering is more theoretical as you look at all the changes and the paradigm, the worldview shifts and those things we've talked about, or whether it's just more tangible to you where you are dealing with some huge change events in your life, God is there. And he is inviting you to jump in and embrace the space with him. And I know there's a lot of unknowns, and yes, those unknowns make us all anxious but when you embrace your space, even when there, there are no, there, 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 there's no proof and there's no maps, and, and, and even when all of your questions do not get answered and nothing seems to make sense, when you jump in, living as children of light in a darkened space, God has promised that he will rescue you. And you will not drown. And he will impact that space through you. What you and I have to do is just come up to the edge of the world that is. Pull that one foot out of the world that was and jump. You were once children of darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light.
and find out what pleases the Lord. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for walking with us on this journey. Thank you for walking with us into this new space that we have in our life. Where we're seeing things change in our world, we're also seeing things change in our life, and we begin to realize that we cannot take on all of this by ourselves. And we're thankful that you are present and that you are here. And, and not just now, but you've always been. And you've always been saying the same thing, jump and I'll catch you, I'm here. But Father, we focus so much on the proof that we want or the maps that we feel like we need or, or all the questions that we have. And Satan uses those moments of, of doubt where we begin to wonder, are you really here and are you really paying attention? And so oftentimes, Father, we'll just listen to the voices that say, let's just go back. And so we do. We turn around and we go in the opposite direction. But can it be different this morning? Can it be different for the husband, for the wife, for the child? Can it be different for this church family? Can it be different for us this morning that we might, instead of turning around and walking away, that we might jump in? That we might jump in and allow the faith that we have in you to overcome all the fears that we have about our space. Because, Father, that's what I think truly pleases you. When we are in the midst of the unknown, and yet we continue to walk, we continue to run, we continue to jump into your arms. So, Father, as those moments come our way today and tomorrow and the weeks, months, and years to come, I pray that the faith of those who came before us that that faith will, will, will energize our own faith and that we will look to the way that you have always been present and that you have always been faithful and that, Father, that we would jump. Father, we ask that you bless this space. Allow us to love whoever we can. May we give whatever it is that you have given to us. We want to please you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Church, let your faith in God overcome the fear of your space. And I know that we just prayed for that, but maybe you just need prayers specifically for what you are dealing with right here and right now. And you just would like this congregation to envelop you in that prayer. We're going to sing and encourage one another, and you're welcome to respond publicly and let that be known here at the front. Maybe you'd like to just go to the back to our prayer room. It's there off our lobby, and you can go. One of our elders, one of our shepherds, our pastors will be there. You can have a private conversation. You know, I know we've got this big um, screen up right here or this big backdrop, but we'll, we'll, we'll move it down and, and we'll rejoice as you're baptized into Christ this morning if, if that is your desire. If you're ready to truly jump into the water, man, I, I love doing that. I'll jump in with you. And, uh, and, and we'll go into the water and we'll go under for the Lord and we'll come up and shout and rejoice. Whatever it is that is on your heart, if you'd like to share it, we want you to. Why don't you tell somebody what the Lord has done for you? Let's stand and give him praise.